Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. Hour number two of Oilers Now. Hope you're having a magnificent Monday. Bob Stoffer with you along with Brendan Escott. Oilers now brought to you by Digitex. They wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. I got Hugh Porter texting me from Digitex uh, about once every couple of weeks, just checking in on uh, the local hockey talk. What's shaking? He was a big fan. Uh, you can reach us at any time on the River Cree Resort Casino hotline and text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line 7049600063. Ashley Fine Floors providing winning results for 35 years. Just had Tom Rennie, CEO of Hockey Canada, on. Texter brought out that, uh, hey, Bob, it's possible Kirby Dock could play for Team uh, Canada. This would be a bit like uh, going back Patrice Bergeron in 2005, 0405, and Bergeron had already played for Canada at the. Uh, World Championships. Now I'm starting to think with Nugent Hopkins. Brendan, just while we're doing this on the fly, can you go to uh, see whether or not Nugent Hopkins played in the 2012 uh, World Hockey Championship? I'm just, I know he banged up his shoulder. I'm just trying to recall if he was on that team. So he, too, might have played in the World Hockey Championship before he played in the World Junior. Let's bring aboard John Shannon, our NHL insider. John, how are you? John, you there? From it. From his bubble in Toronto, I think we have John Shannon. Hello, John. I am really good, Bob. How are you? Good, good. Hey, uh, pretty unique situation for Edmonton here. I mean, they're hosting the Stanley Cup final, and they're going to have the next two World Juniors. That's all right, isn't it? Well, you know what? It, it's amazing what happened, and, and this is really a salute, not just for hockey, but over the last 45 years of Edmonton being able to, you know, be, be that magnet for great international events. When you think about the uh, uh, the university games, when you think about uh, the Commonwealth Games, when you think about the, the FIFA World Cup, uh, you know, uh, in 84 there was the Canada Cup. Uh, it, it truly is, and it's a real testament to, to everybody in Edmonton who wants these things to happen and put Edmonton on a world stage. Well, it's, uh, it's a pretty cool thing that's going to, I mean, obviously, we've got the Stanley Cup final taking place. Game two goes tonight. The NHL Awards. We'll get to that stuff in a second. We found out on Friday, Bob Nicholson, uh, who's the, uh, I guess, the number two. That's uh, He's the vice president of the IIHF. Uh, Edmonton in a bubble for the World Juniors this year. Then next year, Edmonton and Red Deer with fans again. Uh, puts, uh, puts us all in a unique spot here. Is it possible, John, that the World Junior Championship will take place before the NHL returns, is that a feasible uh, I, I, scenario? I, I think that's I think that's very possible. Uh, you know, I uh, and we heard Gary's press conference on Saturday where he said, you know, late December, early January for the start of the NHL season, 
but then in this next breath, he says, you know, we don't know everything yet. We're not sure of everything. Uh, I think there are a lot of trial balloons being floated right now between the league and the Players Association, between the league and the owners. Uh, and, uh, and and we're going to probably, I mean, Gary's still saying he wants an 82-game schedule. Is That's the one that I think is raising a few eyebrows as well. Yes. But, you know, that, that, that to me, you know, I, I, I would actually say, in my opinion, and this is, maybe it's an uninformed opinion, Bob, but I, I think we're looking at mid-January for the start of a, a, a regular season for the National Hockey League. Uh, in some form or manner, whether it be bubbles, semi-bubbles, Canadian division and, and three more, uh, three other divisions in the United States where there's limited travel. Uh, again, I think that there are lots of things being contemplated, but nothing, nothing is, is concrete. Well, theoretically then, John, the caliber of the World Juniors that we're going to see is going to be pretty damn good if we're not playing NHL hockey to January 15th. I mean, somebody brought up Kirby Doc. Ryan Nugent Hopkins did, in fact, play the 11-12 season for the Oilers, played in the 2012 World Hockey Championship. Then we had the lockout, and he was the captain of the team in 12-13 at the World Juniors, where he was the top forward. Uh, Bergeron did it where he played in the NHL with Boston in 0304, 0-4 World uh, Championship, and then played on one of the greatest World Junior teams of all time. And, and think of the years where we've had the lockouts in 94-95 and again in 0405. Those are the two greatest Canadian teams many people would suggest of all time. The caliber of player that Canada would have available to them would be quite special for that event, the uh, World Juniors. As would the caliber for Sweden and the, and the caliber for the United States. <laughs> and, and Russia. For, and for Russia. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, It'd be a great turn. It would be a great, as, and, and Tom, Tom and, and, and listening to Tom talk about it, uh, the reality is that 20-year-old hockey players now are so good and can carry so much of the, uh, the, the same talent that they will carry on into the NHL that it's going to be a fun tournament to watch, albeit on. John, you still there? Did we? I think we got him back. John, you there? Yep. I'm here. Uh, yeah. All right. Hey, did you see uh, Brian Burke's comments, second intermission the other night, just talking about the tax challenges that are unique to uh, Canadian organizations and saying that that's played a factor in uh, a played a factor in why there hasn't been Canadian teams win Stanley Cups? What's your thoughts on that? buy it 100%. Brian's entitled to his opinion. He's been a general manager. He's had the issues. Uh, but I do think that there are some pretty talented accountants that can uh, help you along the way to make it work. And at the same time, when we talk about uh, uh, the challenges of the Canadian tax system, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the, the pluses of the Canadian revenue uh, in the National Hockey League. Where would the NHL be with all the revenue that the Canadians draw, the Maple Leafs draw, the Canucks draw, and the Oilers when they're on a roll? Um, that, that's a catch-22. We could sit and complain about our taxes, uh, albeit I don't think we'd be, be, be complaining about our lifestyle as much. But at the same time, you know, the money that comes into the National Hockey League because we are Canadian, because we play games in Canada, that's one of the only reasons why we have salaries at that level. Uh, the 0405 lockout was fought in part for teams like Edmonton, Calgary, and Ottawa. Do you think the NHL envisioned at that time that starting in 0506 over the next 14 seasons that Edmonton would be a revenue uh, contributor in, off the top of my head, I'm going to say probably 11 or 12 of those seasons? 
Well, I, I mean, I, I think that sets. First of all, when you when you talk about being a revenue generator, we have to talk about the success of the Canadian dollar. Uh, you, know, you know, I mean, when you know that that first lockout in 1994, we were dealing with a between 94 and 96, we were dealing with a 68 cent dollar. Now we're at about, I, I guess, I haven't checked the exchange rate today, but we're probably about a 78 cent dollar. Uh, but in that period of time when all of the Canadian teas were contributing so much above and beyond the fact they were always sold out, they had higher TV revenue, um, they, uh, the dollar was also a lot closer to, uh, to par. And, yeah. and those, are, those, are, those are the issues that we have to deal with. I'm not, you know, just to go back to what Brian said, I, I, I think that that's, I, I honestly think that that's a rather superficial way to look at it. I think there are other things that we look at and we should look at in order to make a, 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 fully, a fully justified decision. He did say his subsequent follow-up was that the Canadian teams are maybe in a different position right now because, frankly, COVID. Uh, because safety issues in some parts of the United States. Uh, and he even brought up, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's funny, right? Because we always heard weather works against a market like Edmonton for some players. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is there's some shifts that have occurred. I'm not going to go all Greta Thunberg on you here, but you know where I'm going with that. I mean, Brian brought that up and said that the Canadian teams, several of them are poised to have rather compelling stories to tell to potential free agents. And I got to tell you, John, like, I've, you know, I've been in contact with a couple of the guys that are top, you know, uh, or people close to the top end guys, and they think that those players would be absolutely open to playing in uh, Canada and for that matter in Western Canada. Listen, I think when you when you do what the Canadian teams have done in the last four or five years, and that's you know finally draft better. Uh, although I mean I, I mean I think my dog could have drafted Connor McDavid, um, but at the same time when you when you have players of that caliber, when you see teams like Toronto that have become an attractive place to play, when you see what Vancouver has done and becoming an attractive place to play. Calgary is going to be fixing its issue. Honestly, it's going to be fixing its issue when it, when it attracts free agents and, and young players when they get their new arena. There are a lot of positives going in the, in the direction of playing in Canada. Um, and, and it, you know, it's, I know it's hard to believe. It, it, it's, it's a lot about money. It's a lot about lifestyle. If you don't like living in the fishbowl, then don't play in Canada. I think that that's a bigger issue more than anything else when it comes to money. There are a lot of guys that were great players that liked to be able to walk down the street without being recognized. And if you lived in Denver or you lived in Fort Lauderdale or you lived in Dallas, you could do that. If you do it in Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, or Vancouver, you're going to get pointed at. You're going to get yelled at. You're, people are going to want to shake your hands. That's just a fact of life of playing in our country. All right. We're joined right now by John Shannon. John, the awards take place today at 430. Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers, who may be another contributing factor in why certain players would look at coming here. Some would say that's yep. probably the case. Uh, he is up for both the Hart Trophy and the Ted Lindsay. Does he uh, win either of those two awards, both of those awards, or none of those two? Well, I, you know, the Ted Lindsay is voted on by by his fellow players. 
Um, yes. The interesting thing is, is that there are teams that would have only seen Leon once, uh, not necessarily twice this year. So that that to me is the one that's clo- that is a little more up for grabs. Um, I, I mean, I think he's a slam dunk for the Hart Trophy. I, I've said it all along. If I had a vote this year, this is the first time in five years I don't have a vote. Uh, if, if I had a vote, he would have been my Hart Trophy uh, winner number one for sure. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. He had such a great year, and Leon would be the first to tell you he's not even the best player on his own team, which maybe kind of puts things in perspective as to how good Connor McDavid is. Four years in a row, McDavid top two in the NHL scoring, but the only player 100-plus points the last two years is Leon uh, Dreisaitl. John, let's uh, let's switch uh, focus a bit uh, to – I'll get to just – what might be happening out there sort of relating to the Oilers in a second uh, in terms of some potential trade options and those sort of things. But just your take on game one of the Stanley Cup final between Dallas and Tampa Bay. Uh, well, I thought it was a lot like some of those Vancouver-Vegas games uh, where, uh, where where the Canucks had very few scoring opportunities and still were able to win because of outstanding goaltending. Um, Anton Hudobin is one game closer to winning the Conn Smythe Trophy, in my opinion, because of the way he played in game one. Um, you, you know, at a certain point, you have to think uh, that, uh, that the, the Tampa offense will be able to erupt. They had lots of scoring chances, but I would suggest that most of the shots on goal were not necessarily from high-scoring positions on the ice. Uh, so when you, when you outshoot a team 22-2 to two in the third period, what were the scoring chances? Uh, maybe six to one. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I would, I would think that it was probably that way. I think Tampa has to get to the dirty areas if they expect to win. You know, and uh, again, I, you know, the the question now for them is whether Steven Stamkos will play tonight for Game Two. I expect he will. Wow. Uh, I, I think he's been, I think he's been healthy for a while. Uh, and I think that John Cooper's, uh, John Cooper's been saying, "Hey, we're winning without him. Let's keep, let's make sure he's that much better. We're winning without him. Let's make sure that much better." So it would not surprise me to see Stamkos in the lineup after taking the morning skate today. They uh, have been playing eleven forwards, and their power play is zero for fourteen. Could they theoretically just play him on the power play? I guess you could. I mean, when they, when you consider uh, how the team has been using all of those uh, the, the, the D men. Uh, you, you know, the the one thing that Dallas does do is Dallas is physical enough that, uh, I, I mean, I like having the seven defense because you never know when one's going to go down. Uh, and, and to me, you know, Victor Victor Hedman's done such a good job. Sergeyev's been very good. Uh, the, and we talked we talked about this last week, Bob. The three guys that I'm amazed that they're getting a left out of in Tampa, Shattenkirk, Bogosian, and Shin, yeah. you know, when are they going to crack, if at all? And will that give Dallas an opportunity with their physical play? So the, the Dallas has been such an impressive uh, story, uh, not necessarily pretty at times, but such an impressive story when you look at the, their strength on the blue line with Klingberg and Heiskanen. Uh, and and they're, they're basically doing all of this without the offensive skill of Tyler Sagan, who is uh, doing some other things but not contributing offensively. Ben has been good. Radulov has been good when he's had to be good. Uh, and their young forwards have done a really good job for them as well. Gary loves the word competitive balance. He doesn't like the word parity, but he loves the word competitive ba- balance. Yeah. Dal- yeah. Dallas actually had fewer points than Edmonton. 
Uh, they had, they finished with a higher points percentage than the Oilers. Uh, the Oilers went 2-0-1 against the Stars this year. They're right there at Dallas in the regular season. And the league moved away from divisional slotting uh, for the purposes of the playoffs. So the Oilers right. were right. Th- the Oilers were, were cl- and Dallas wasn't very good in their round-robin games. It needs to be stated. Just like Edmonton struggled uh, in their four games. Now we go to Calgary. Dallas was down 2-1 to Calgary in a series and down 4-3 with 13 seconds left in game four. Okay. Had we gone by divisional uh, setup, Dallas would have been playing Colorado and Colorado would have been healthy. As it is, they play Colorado in round two, go seven. Find a way to win. Colorado's got the number one and number two goalies down. Uh, even against Vegas, Dallas got a play. Does it, I, the point in this is Dallas is a team of destiny. They found a way to win. But does anything reinforce the competitive balance in the league more than how precarious Dallas's run has been every step of the way, John? But it all it does, and that's a valid point, Bob. The other thing it does do is it really reinforces – for those darn coaches, every coach you ever played for is the defense wins first. Yes. And, and and the problem becomes is that when we're trying to, and, and this is this is an old cliche, but we're trying to make the game more attractive, grow the game for beyond the core hockey fan. Uh, we're trying to make it much more uh, consumer friendly in in markets that aren't necessarily hockey markets. This is not selling that mark that game that well. Um, you know, if the, if the game was opened up and it was 7-5, I think there'd be a lot more people, uh, you know, in, 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 in Sacramento and in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, you know, in Peoria, Illinois, hockey towns that don't have hockey teams that actually might enjoy the game a little bit more. Purists, you know, Bob, I, I mean, I, I, liked, I liked Saturday's game in the fact that I was marveling at Hudobin and marveling at the fact that Dallas could control the play without letting anything as Ken, Hitch- Ken Hitchcock would talk about between the dots. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 but that—that's—that's that's like that. You know, the, the the old days of the Bears and the Packers, and it was ten three, and everybody thought what a great defensive struggle. Yeah, but it was really boring. <laughs> you know, that's, well, that's work- the issue you have. That's the issue you have with this style of hockey at times. Yeah, the, the the game five, the Islanders, the one Everly scored the overtime winner. That game with Tampa was the worst game I've watched during the playoffs. Th- there was at least some physicality with Dallas and Tampa. I know Tampa might have been a little uh, tired, and there's no question in the other sports, the offenses have opened up. They eliminated zone defense in basketball because it works. The NFL has completely opened up to the offenses. They protect the quarterbacks. They protect the receivers. It's, you know, you got games like the Cowboys yesterday coming back first time in NFL history a team came back like that uh, scoring 39 points and not turning a point uh, uh, ball over the entire game and losing yeah, but, NCAA yeah, but, the problem, the problem, but Bob the problem in our game is is that what 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 we really like to see is we like to see hitting uh, and there's a there's a ton of stuff in the game that the the rules we yes. we try we tried to change the rules to make it more open and what it's done to is it's made the players more tentative yeah, well, and that's, and, I was just going to say. And that's a problem. And that's and, a problem. NCAA has taken off in college football in the states because they've opened up the offenses too, the spread off, spread option offense. And so it's just interesting to see where the NHL goes. John, I'm going to put you on the spot. Final question. Okay. You're the Edmonton, you're the Edmonton Oilers. If you're patient, you could have theoretically. Even re-signing Nugent Hopkins, Bear, and Yamamoto in the 21 offseason, you could have about 
17 or 18 million dollars in cap space. You could buy an entire third line and another goalie uh, if you stay patient. But there are unique market situations. There could be a guy like Oliver Ekman Larson out there. Should the Oilers engage in that game if they can? Well, I think you have to prioritize what you need to fix first. Uh, and uh, I think with the uh, with with the coming of age, and it will happen of uh, of Broberg. I keep getting told time and time again that Broberg is going to be a factor for this team for years to come. Uh, then you have to have you, you have to have a feel for Evan Bouchard. Um, uh, then the Russian Sukharov uh, that played in played for Guelph and plays and played in Bakersfield last year. Do you really can you can you be patient with your blue line? That becomes a question that Kenny has to answer. To me, the bigger issue is in goal, and you have yep. to fix the goal issue more than anything else. And how do you make how do you find a way to find a free agent or make a trade? And wine and dine, Mark Andre Fleury. I'm just throwing out ideas. Because that's where I think the biggest issue is. John, as always, thank you for your time. Talk to you later. You bet. 126 in Edmonton will come back with the Oilers or the uh, injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. This is Oilers Now at 126. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Well, we're going to know in three hours from right now. Is Leon Dreisaitl win the heart? And the Ted Lindsay Award, NHL Awards at 4.30 today into the injury report for James H. Brown. Injury lawyers, Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang at James H. Brown. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Here's Brendan Escott. All right, well, John Cooper, staying the course, refused to disclose whether Braden Point or Steven Stamkos will be on the ice later tonight as they try to even up the cup final at a game apiece. Uh, they did both skate, but Stamkos stayed late after practice, and that has been sort of an indicator that he's not going to play in the game. Uh, Rick Bonus, meanwhile, expects that Rupe Hints will draft for game two tonight, but Radic Faxa, Ben Bishop, Stephen Johns all remain unfit to play. Good stuff. Uh, old saying in the car business, cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford, they will take care of you. They're known for their outstanding customer service. Brent Ridge Ford is a nine-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They'll look after you at the time of the purchase. They'll continue that standard of service after the sale as well. And Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang, they're Oilers fans, which is even better. they got a couple guys working at Brent Ridge Ford that are Flames fans, but we don't mention those guys on this show. Brent Ridge Ford, give them a call, 1-877-477-3673, or go online at brentridge.com. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Eric Duhatchik, longtime uh, plugged-in writer with The Athletic. We'll talk a bit about the awards and goaltending possibilities when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.